pornography so softcore you could spread it on a cracker. Hello everybody and welcome back to Witchfix. For you it may have been a number of days, maybe even a week, but for me it has been scant hour since I reviewed the uh, the earlier film of today, the title of which eludes me. What was it called? Cursed. It's, it's been a long one. I have also now just watched The Witching and uh, we're going to get into that now because um, the theme of today is apparently just miscarriages and films uh, that end with me writing WTF in large letters in my notebook. So let's uh, let's discuss. So The Witching is uh, an Orson Welles movie, as in it stars Orson Welles and also Pamela Franklin. Um, it was originally released as Necromancy in 1972 and was re-released in 1983 under the title The Witching, and it's that version that I have just watched. They are apparently basically the same film, uh, but the ending of uh, the original cut is different to the one that i just watched and and i will get into that in a moment but for now we'll just we'll just discuss this film uh it's only 77 minutes long it's a certificate 18 and uh, i'm going to trigger warn for miscarriage infanticide and uh nudity uh, aside from that it seems sort of relatively free of, of anything else including basically any horror elements although it is ostensibly a horror film what it kind of watches as is someone's confused attempts to make a sort of christian propaganda movie against the dangers of witchcraft but they also spliced in some tits and ass in case people started to get bored uh, which, which makes it very weird to watch uh, the plot began straight away because there were no trailers just a standard uh, menu screen that looked like it was put together in ms paint uh, and then we see a, a comically large photograph of a woman's face like nearly paper plate sized being stuck onto the uh, front of a poppet by a, a blonde lady in a white nightgown wearing a pentacle she then descends into some sort of basement where a load of black robed figures have already assembled around another blonde lady wearing a pink hair ribbon so obviously she's full of innocence we let her learn this woman's name is jenny then we get a, a close-up of a guy wearing a goat's head mask but it's like a goat's head mask that looks like it was pieced together from teddy bears like it doesn't look like it was fashioned to really resemble a goat so much as to resemble a children's cartoon character that was also a goat uh, he then appears to conduct a satanic rite or initiation ritual for jenny it's really hard to tell what he's saying because he's wearing a teddy bear head and also there are no subtitles on this DVD and I can't rewind it. So uh, a lot of it kind of slid by me because the sound quality in general is pretty poor. And it's even poorer when someone is wearing the head of a teddy bear. The doll is then given to Jenny uh, and uh, a magic circle is cast. Jenny then gets her tits out and uh, everyone else takes their robes off. So there's suddenly just a lot of naked people. Uh, and they say they're there to witness the rebirth of Jenny into the family of witchcraft, which sounds lovely. There is then some light chanting uh, and they say, you know, various things like that they will cut her heart out if she is lying to them, which are, I guess, fair. Uh, and then a lot more gratuitous nudity because uh, the main guy conducting the ceremony keeps like fondling her boobs. 
but then they say uh, that she needs to stab the doll and they say kill the baby stab the doll and she's like no that's murder but then another lady steps up to the plate grabs the knife and stabs the doll which then starts to bleed everywhere and we get an abrupt cut to a hospital where a woman is being sedated in a bed crying out for her baby which we're given to understand uh, was uh, stillborn which uh it's pretty grim uh, and if this is meant to be in some way pornographic like that's a weird turn for that to take um kind of a boner killer to be honest we then get cut to uh, the same woman in bed with a guy who i'm assuming is her partner uh, he is later revealed to be her husband uh, and they're talking about how they're going to move she seems to be over this miscarriage thing pretty early because uh she basically just seems fine doesn't seem to affect her at all which is either poor acting or poor scripting i thought her name was laura then i thought it was lauren but apparently it's laurie people just can't enunciate and the husband's name is frank they uh, agree to have another baby when they're settled in their new home but then this woman's face of a woman we've never seen before with dark hair is like superimposed over the scene and she's chanting like she's auditioning for Macbeth I couldn't really tell what she was saying because there was like a lot of weird reverb on her voice but I'm assuming nothing good uh, we then get a flashback of Laura standing over a girl who's been pulled from a pool and is being resuscitated and the weird superimposed woman's voice says you have the power and something about Lilith and uh, we see in the flashback uh, that Laurie is saying I want you to live I don't want you to die and then the girl wakes up so clearly she has some sort of supernatural powers that's been established and we learn that Frank and Laurie are moving to a place called Lilith so I guess that's what um super posed face was talking about big face woman to give her her full name the next day, uh, Laurie and Frank set off for Lilith and Laurie expresses concern that before Frank was hired to this job where they're going to pay him a lot of money to move out to a small town in the middle of nowhere, they in inquired about his religious persuasion and seemed happy that he and Laurie were atheists. And this kind of feeds into that whole like uh, feeling that this is like a PSA that Christians have put out there of like the gateway drugs to witchcraft. They're like... See what happens when you're atheists, you'll move to a town in the middle of nowhere where creepy shit happens. It kind of just felt like throughout the film, it, it was just a play being put on to moralise and point out that the pitfalls that can lead innocent people down the road to witchcraft and Satan interspersed with boobs. Frank then says something about lifeguards, so I'm guessing that's what Laurie was doing around the pool and that maybe she's kind of prickly about you know that girl nearly drowning so they start to have a fight in the car and then have a near collision with a bright red kind of Cadillac looking thing uh, which then goes off the road down a cliff and bursts into flames which is jarring uh, Laurie is then seen walking around the burning wreckage of the car which has a human arm just hanging out of it she picks up a doll which is for some reason not burned but just like lying near the car she does not seem at all affected by you know the burning human remains that can be clearly seen doesn't seem to be in the least bit worried anxious or appalled that her and her husband have just killed a car with at least one person in it but there we go and then her and frank are just allowed to continue on with their journey as opposed to being taken to a police station to give a statement or breathalyzed or anything 
I don't know, in, in America in the 60s, were traffic accidents like this just written off within five minutes of the police turning up at the scene? Like, oh yeah, okay, well this is a pretty open and shut case. We'll just sweep the burning wreckage and the human bodies into this nearby ditch and then build a gas station on top, I guess? Back in the car and on their way, Laurie finds fingernail clippings in a pocket on the doll's dress. So clearly this doll is some sort of poppet. The car then breaks down uh, fair and Frank decides he's going to walk somewhere to get gas. This takes him approximately four minutes. So I have no idea where he went, but there was gas there. While he's gone, Laurie hears a guy's voice chanting. Unclear if it's in her head or not. But she walks up a hill and finds a random funeral just happening uh, and just decides to hang out and watch. The headstone at this funeral says Timothy, but when she looks in the casket, please picture this, there is just a plastic Halloween skeleton, but wearing a full wig of blonde hair and a shirt. Like it's just been dressed up now for a Halloween display. But uh, apparently this is the remains of Timothy. But she flips out because she's like oh a skeleton uh, and then when she like turns around there's no funeral no casket just the headstone which has clearly been there for some time and now she reacts like something horrible has happened not when she was looking at the burning human arm but now that she's seen you know the plastic halloween skeleton now she's frightened she runs back to the car finds frank who has walked two minutes away and then two minutes back with the camera gas they then drive into Lilith, where there is a checkpoint that you have to go through. And uh, Laurie questions Frank as to if, if this is to keep people in or to keep people out. The checkpoint is never revisited and uh, nothing ever really comes of us knowing that it's there. They drive past a house which looks like literally the house from the Adams family. And Bigger Face Woman appears over the top of this to do some rhymes about slime which also rhymes, and then to say that Cato lives in the Adams family house and that he is Laurie's enemy and she cannot trust him. It is unclear if Laurie can see this woman because she doesn't really seem to heed this warning at all because they meet Cato and have lunch at his Adams family house, during which he sits in a gold and red velvet backed throne and everyone pretends that this is normal. He says that um, his company is like a toy factory, which is what Frank's going to be working out. But they also make occult stuff, and he knows a lot about occult stuff. And he asks if Laurie believes in this, and when she says no, he lends her the Grand Grimoire as a little light bedtime reading. I have no idea why he makes toys and also occult stuff. Again, this feels like part of the moral play. Like, oh, he does this one thing, but it's just a front for that secret, sinister, evil thing that he does. Don't let your kids have toys and video games. Make them play with sticks like we did in the good old days. She then says that she's probably not going to read that book and asks um, Mr. Cato outright if he is a magician. After this meeting, Frank seems to think that she was being insulting and then shouts, What made you think he was a magician? To which I responded, one, his entire house, the way he looked, and the fact that he sat there in a massive gold throne talking about the occult, and then loaned her a spell book. Frank seems dumb, so um, I don't really understand why Laurie has married him, but there we go. Laurie then decides she wants to leave because this place is fucking weird. Um, but then she also meets a blonde woman called Priscilla, who's just sort of 
hanging out in the house that they've been given to live in, uh, who points out that the doll used to belong to Jenny and that um, Jenny left and now they live in Jenny's house. So at some time in between Jenny being initiated, um, she apparently ran afoul of someone because she's just died in a flaming car wreck. Laurie takes this opportunity to ask Priscilla about the funeral that she saw. Uh, Priscilla says that there hasn't been a funeral in town for years um, and that Kato's son is just sleeping. So I'm guessing that's the skeleton we saw being buried uh, in this weird vision that she apparently had somehow. Uh, the next day, Laurie meets Georgette, who's a nearby neighbour, who says that her and her husband will be leaving soon, but she doesn't know when or where they're going to be going, and reveals that she hasn't actually told her husband she's pregnant yet, and that no one can have children in the town, which is why they'll have to leave. Laurie then confronts her husband with this knowledge and says, when you accepted the job, did they ask you about children? He reveals that he said yes, that we didn't have any, and she obviously starts to think a little bit about what happened to her baby but doesn't seem to connect those two ideas that much and again doesn't really seem to care that much about the stillbirth incident. Laurie also comments to Georgette about how there are no new houses around, how everyone seems to be living in the past and Georgette says that the past kind of grows on you which uh, is weird. She also comments that the coffee tastes bitter uh, and this is like a recurring theme of drinks that she has tasting bitter but again, this is not really explored in depth. Frank comments that the toys he has seen at the factory appear kind of weird. But again, nothing ever comes from this and you don't really see any of the supposed toys. Later on, Laurie reads the grimoire and it references the old god and the horned one, but as being synonymous with Satan. Again, kind of mimicking that like Christian propaganda thing of like, it's just Satan by any other name. So uh, I wasn't particularly impressed. Laurie tells Priscilla that they're going to be leaving soon and again quite rudely asks how Priscilla can bear to live in the past like this. Um, I have to say I didn't really notice it being the past because the film is set in the 1970s so it's already the past for me. Priscilla reveals that Cato has kept the town in the past because of the loss of his son and everything stays the same here but the people put up with it because everything is provided for them and their society is permissive and and there for their pleasure she also reveals that there are no old people in town which is something you'd think laurie would have noticed but everyone there is under 30 obviously except kato who is kind of hella old and is very creepy in his vibes he just seems kind of sweaty corpulent mouth breathy bearded guy who's in charge of everyone not a fan. Laurie seems quite happy that she and Frank are going to be leaving but then Frank breaks the news that he's been persuaded to stay for a week after which time he can leave if he doesn't want to be there and will get the full month's pay. So uh, that's unfortunate. Laurie then puts up a token resistance to going to the neighbourhood welcome party but then does go. Uh, at the party she's given a bitter glass of bright red glowing wine in which she sees some sort of vision of a goat-headed thing attacking her, which I would not have then drunk, but which she does. I feel like the whole thing of the party is like she's being groomed for an orgy. There's definitely an orgy-esque vibe, but nothing like that happens except for there's some naked lady on a table covered in fruit, um, which everyone just seems to accept, even Laurie. She doesn't like seem bothered by this. Um, she's then shown an astrology wheel some woman has and she's like oh no I'd prefer you not to do that around me oh I don't believe in astrology 
again, it's sort of like hallmark, like, is your child interested in any of these things? Astrology, black clothing, they may be interested in witchcraft and Satanism. But yeah, the, the astrology wheel is, is treated like literally the, the most evil thing in the world. She is then invited to a reading of the Taros, which is pronounced that way. Uh, and they read her cards with these big, big tarot cards that you could probably see from sea and which could be used to signal ships. Frank seems kind of into this because he's in the circle during the reading. So I'm starting to question Frank's motives. Uh, and the guy who's reading the tarot cards asks her if she's living a fantasy, looking at reality or if, if the opposite is true, which makes me think that this is going to end up being all a dream which uh, by the time we get to the end of the film was oddly prescient. After the party in the next morning, Laurie still wants to leave, but Frank says it's a nice town full of okay people, which makes me think that he wasn't at the party, even though he was, or maybe Laurie dreamed it, but that doesn't make sense either, but maybe he's just weird. Uh, Laurie then gets up in the middle of the night to make some coffee, uh, and she drinks it and shudders like it tastes weird, but this is the last time this is mentioned. Uh, and I was kind of thinking that maybe it was going to be like there's some sort of drugs in it or something. But um, again, this is never tackled. She then gets scared by what is clearly a stuffed animal. But then when Frank arrives to like comfort her, he's like, oh, it must have run away. So I think we were meant to think that it was a real animal, but it was clearly dead and full of sawdust. So that was odd. And she then announces, seemingly out of nowhere, that she's going to do some serious thinking on religion. I await the results of that thinking. Later that day, or on a different day entirely, time is weird in this film, she sees a blonde boy on a swing set in a, a chain-linked off area of tarmac. She then notices Priscilla, calls out to her and chases her into a wood. Priscilla has a doll, which she just carries with her now, I guess. Uh, and she initially won't talk to her or answer her questions and says that she didn't see a boy, but acknowledges that the boy was on the swing, which is confusing. And then she says that Laurie is like Jenny and that Jenny didn't leave until it was too late either, which is concerning. Laurie then goes to see the doctor because she stepped on a broken coffee cup when she got scared by what was clearly a fake animal. Uh, the doctor is called Jerry and he is the one who read the Taros for her. Uh, he invites her and Frank over to his house for dinner. But when they turn up at the house, it's dark. So they are initially confused that anyone is home. But Frank presses on, goes through the door and then all the lights come on. And it turns out that they were off because there was some sort of ritual stuff going on in there. And Jerry reveals in a room full of topless people that he's invited them over to... Uh, Tell them the good news about the true religion of witchcraft. This den of sin seems to just be a lot of people with their tits out. Some people dancing on a table wearing stockings. They also have a hooker and a bowl of strawberries. This is apparently what Satan's minions get up to on a Saturday night. It seems quite tame, to be honest. But there we go. Uh, they talk a little bit and Jerry explains that everyone in Lilith is a witch. And he still denies that the boy that Laurie said she saw was real. And he says that doors are being opened in her mind and her views are being challenged. Frank is quickly seduced by the hookah and the strawberries because I guess he just loves exotic fruit and tabakiana. Uh, Laurie then has a nightmare that she is being burned at the stake and wakes to find the little boys in her room. 
She tells him to go downstairs while she gets dressed, but then can't find him. And while looking for him, gets somehow locked in her own cellar. She then goes down some stairs, which are going to a lower cellar, I guess. She hears voices down there and then goes downstairs, hearing a child crying. The boy then appears again and beckons her into the shadows. But when she goes there, she's attacked by a fake rat and then falls down because she's so surprised. And then some real rats crawl on her, but then they disappear. And then the cellar door opens and she can leave. So that was kind of pointless. It's sort of an oxbow lake of um, pointlessness. Laurie goes back to the playground, which I should stress is just a single swing set on some tarmac inside a chain link fence. Uh, she then breaks the padlock off of the gate to the fence with a rock and then goes inside and looks around like she's going to see something from inside that she didn't see from outside through the chain link fence um, but when she turns around the boy just appears and then Georgette comes in and says that she can also see the boy but was starting to wonder if she was the only one and that he appears to be eight Laurie then gets really annoyed and says that Georgette has renounced God and is just worshipping Satan by another name which I guess is the point at which your teacher would then go back to the reel-to-reel projector to show you part two of when Laurie dabbled in witchcraft. We then get an abrupt cut to Laurie talking to Kato at his house saying that she doesn't really want to be a witch. She wants to go home. Uh, he says it's a bit early for her to make up her mind. And he says that he has gained the power of God except for the power to raise the dead. And that she has that power and that's why he wants her. That's pretty clear from what she did to that girl who got pulled out of the swimming pool. He wants her to resurrect his son. When Laurie goes home, she sees that Georgette is being taken away in an ambulance following a miscarriage. So obviously something's been done to her. She then goes to see Priscilla at Priscilla's junk shop, but finds Jerry there instead, saying he's preparing for the next initiation and that she will have to die to bring back Kato's son. And that then people in town can start having kids. So obviously everyone wants her to go through with this ritual. Although, to be fair, they seem to be enjoying their fast and loose strawberry eating lifestyle. So do they really want to have kids? Seems like it would kind of ruin it. Jerry then delivers the line, which is like the most public service announcement part of this. And he says that she can't leave now because witchcraft is like a drug. And she can't turn away now. She knows its pleasures. So, um... I guess that's why she doesn't just leave. Uh, and then Priscilla shows up and uh, shows her the doll she made of Georgette to cause Georgette's miscarriage. But then Priscilla seems to do a swift 180 because that night she phones Laurie to say that she also wants to leave Lilith and that she'll meet her down by the water to explain everything. She also says that Frank is a witch and has been a witch the whole time and his job was to bring Laurie here. So at least we get some sort of explanations to why Frank was so weirdly okay with everything. There's currently only 15 minutes left in the movie, so um, I'm kind of eager for whatever's going to happen to happen. I'm kind of expecting there to be a sort of twist where Laurie manages to trick the witches and escape. So uh, let, let's see, shall we? Uh, Laurie then tries to locate Frank because apparently she didn't listen to Priscilla, but when she phones his work, no one knows where he is. She then phones Nancy, who is a woman we have not previously met, and uh, Nancy says that he's gone to LA for work. Uh, Nancy has her tits out while she's on the phone, which made me think that Frank was in her bedroom. And he was. So um, at least he, she just doesn't just answer the phone topless for the heck of it, I guess. And then Laurie burns the Jenny doll seemingly in a fit of rage. 
She then heads down to the river where Priscilla said she'd meet her, but finds Priscilla drowned in the river. She kind of pulls her body over by the hair, which seems really mean, even to a dead person. I don't think people just normally handle the bodies of people they know by dragging them about by the hair. But uh, Jenny seems weird in what she will and won't react emotionally to. So whatever. The projection woman then appears again. Who is she? I don't know. Uh, Laurie then goes to the site of the ritual and participates in the initiation. They have a goat tied up and give her a knife like she's expected to stab it. And then she stabs the guy next to her who's wearing the goat mask, which I initially thought was like the start of her brilliant plan to overthrow the coven, but seems to have been planned because everyone else kind of goes along with it and is okay with it. And the guy in the goat mask is Frank. So I guess he had it coming. We then see her at home post-initiation, I guess. She lights a candle and says a prayer to God, uh, having just renounced God and all his works in order to join the evil coven of witches. She then proceeds to do something which I didn't think made any sense. She makes uh, her own poppet with a lump of her own hair and a picture of herself. We then see the projection woman appear and she says that because she was fighting Kato, uh, she was the one who caused a car to kill his son and that Laurie has her powers somehow. Not clear if this woman is Laurie's mother or has anything to do with her. That's never explained. Why is the projection woman there? I don't understand. But anywho, uh, because Laurie now belongs to Kato and her will is subservient to his because she has joined the coven, uh, she then uh, is commanded to perform the resurrection. She stabs the doll and appears to die, which, again, I thought was her sort of clever trick. Because we got a flashback to all of the other times she'd seen the dolls and her saying, you really do have power, don't you? Which made me think that she'd just done this as an elaborate way to somehow kill herself, which she could have done without becoming a witch. But um, no, she just sort of comes to on the hill where the funeral was held and that's where the ritual was apparently being conducted on some sort of psychedelic 70s movie plane of existence she approaches the burial site and the coffin rises up then the coffin opens and she sees the wig skeleton which personally i didn't need to see again it was funny the first time it only loses something in being shown again the skeleton then goes through a couple of stages of reconstruction before it becomes the boy who wakes up uh, and then Jerry and the other coveners force her into the coffin and shut the lid. They lower it into the hole while she screams. After a series of random flashbacks to moments in the film as if just reliving a glory reel of the experience we've all just gone through, the camera freeze frames on her face and then the credits roll. And then I wrote, what the fuck? Because I was kind of expecting there to be some sort of twist as opposed to woman goes to town of evil witches protests vociferously that she does not want to be a witch, then becomes one and does the evil thing anyway and then gets killed. There we go. So I took to Wikipedia to find out what the fuck any of that meant. And apparently in the original version, um, Laurie then wakes up and it's the day of them moving to Lilith. And she initially thinks, oh, yay, it was all a dream. And then realises that it was actually um, a long precognitive dream of what is about to happen to her. I don't know that that makes more sense, but it seems better than just her in a hole, freeze frame, the end. So that was The Witching slash Necromancy. It was an odd film. I've sort of said it's sort of 
it was described by like other people uh, in reviews that I've since looked at as a sort of combination of erotica and horror, but it was neither scary nor sexy, so I don't know where they got that from. I stand by my assessment that it seems like an anti-witchcraft propaganda movie coupled with some incredibly softcore pornography. Pornography so softcore you could spread it on a cracker. It's a very strange film. However, I do kind of like the concept. I think if it was in a different film, done differently, it could be quite cool. Because the, the idea that she goes to this town where everyone is a witch, it, it's kind of like the opposite of, of Stepford Wives in a way. Uh, like the kind of value system that this town has that she's being pressured to, to join into. And I would love to see a film where she takes to that, but then takes that power for herself and uses it to best them at the end kind of um in a an ending similar to the craft in a way and if they were going to remake the craft now but with the same characters like the age they are now i think this could be a really cool idea behind that i hate the execution in every possible sense it was stupid but um i do kind of like a kernel of of the idea in there i even liked the kind of idea they were hinting at with the weird projection woman that somehow this had all been related to some sort of conspiracy beforehand which laurie was already involved in before she even became aware of it that was kind of cool everything else kind of blew chunks just everywhere and it was just very strange probably would not recommend people watching it for anything other than the lols of the skeleton but uh yeah can't really say much else about it it was an odd experience and thank god it was only 77 minutes if you have any other films that you'd like me to check out do drop me a line you can do so via twitter or the email address in the description box and do check out the amazon wishlist as well for any of the films that i have added on there i'm trying to get hold of a copy of a film called spellbinder so um if you know of it do let me know uh, and if you have a copy excellent I would like to buy it because I can't find it anywhere. And in the meantime, I'll see you in the next one.